Hello and welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us today. Before we get to today's guest, I'd like to thank our Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Thanks, Susan, and thanks for listening. This is Josh Wren, CEO and founder of Incelerate. We're grateful for our partnership with the CMBA and are committed as a company to help lenders close more loans. We do this with our customer experience platform that has a CRM, lead management, marketing, automation, robust content library, desktop and mobile applications. We do this to help you engage and stay connected to your current borrowers, referral partners, past borrowers, and potential new ones. If you want to find out why we're the fastest growing CRM provider in the mortgage industry, please reach out to us and ask for a demo. Okay, thank you, Josh. We appreciate your support. And that brings me to today's very special guest. Uh, I am happy to welcome Dan Phelan with PSRS. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you today? I am fantastic. It is uh, very special for me to have Dan as a guest on Connect. I've known Dan for um, a number of years, and he was uh, on the California MBA board when I was hired uh, all those many years ago. So um, Dan and I go way back. Uh, and uh, I thought on today's podcast, we'd talk a little bit about his experience in the industry, but also throw in a little history of our association, because it's always a, a good thing to remind people of where we came from. So, Dan, we'll just go ahead and get started. Give us a little background on how you got into the mortgage industry. Well, you know, I think I think all of us take interesting paths uh, into this industry. When I started in the business, and really through the 70s, 80s, maybe even the 90s, you couldn't go to school for mortgage banking. You just happened into it. You maybe were in finance or, in my case, psychology, and uh, you just happened upon it and decided it worked for you, and away you went. So I graduated from Creighton University in Omaha back in 1973 and decided that I needed to see the world. And uh, one of my first stops was uh, California. And I stopped in to see Dan and Mary Mulvihill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this was in May of 1973. Um, and Dan Mulvihill um, took me in and I visited them for some time. Uh, Dan was my uncle. It was my uncle. Uh, Dan's passed away recently. But um, he, uh, he said, you know what? You ought to come down to the office with me and see what I do. I said, okay. So I literally spent a whole day just sitting in the corner, listening to what, you know, Dan did in in his, you know, leading his mortgage banking company, which he had only started a year before. The company started in 1972, and we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. That's right. right. That's right. Congratulations. Um, And uh, and so we, um, I just kind of listened, and at the end of the day, he said, you know, what do you think? I said, you know, I. This has been really fascinating because he was talking with lenders and he was talking with borrowers and they were negotiating deals and they were going back and forth. And I thought, you know, this is kind of interesting. He said, well, how would you like to come out and go to work with? And I said, not ready to go to work yet. So I turned him down. 
so that was in May. Uh, I was out traveling the world, and and uh, anyway, five months and thirty-two thousand miles later, I got back to Des Moines, and I thought, you know, that wasn't such a bad offer. And I called him up, and he said, "Come on out, you know, let's let's get to work." And the rest is history. Wow, all those years with the same company too. I mean, that is, I mean, right. it's a family business, but I mean, that's still that's uh, that's impressive. Well, one of the things that Dan built, and I think I think a lot of different mortgage banking companies are different. They have different aspects within them. Maybe they have insurance areas, or maybe they have appraisal areas, or maybe they do some development as well, or something like that. In addition to the mortgage banking, you know, Dan represented a number of life insurance companies, and they wanted him to do development. They wanted him to do joint ventures. They wanted him to do mortgages, obviously. And so Dan threw me into the weeds and said, you know, go start learning. And so I did property management, and I did development, and I did all these different things. And and uh, tried out the mortgage banking. I really liked that. I liked the aspect of being in, you know, in front of both the borrower and the lender, negotiating deals, putting deals together, uh, making, you know, having things come to fruition. And uh, so, you know, by the end of the late 70s, I was doing mortgage banking and I've done it ever since. 50, 50 short years later, right? <laughs> 50 short years later, there you go. Well, as I had mentioned at the beginning, Dan, uh, you've had just uh, an incredible career that spans decades. Uh, you've served uh, in leadership of both the National MBA uh, as well as California MBA, served as our board chair, National MBA chair. And I, I would love to have you share a little bit of history about our association. I think that um, it's important to Remember how we started? We were actually started by the commercial right. mortgage banking industry. I think there's so much focus on residential because they take so much of our legislative bandwidth. Uh, but the the association was started by the commercial mortgage banking industry, and um, I, you know, love to share with our listeners a little history on the association. Sure, sure. Well, when I got involved, uh, well, one of the things that Dan Mulvihill did was he said. If you're going to take on this job and you be involved in the business, you have to get involved in the industry. And it was very important to him. And he and wow. he was a huge proponent of getting involved in the association, getting involved in in various organizations, and, and really stressed that that was that was important if this was going to be your career. And I decided very early on that this was going to be my career. So my first foray um, into the uh, industry was to get uh, go through the School of Mortgage Banking, through the MBA, and to get my CMB, which I did very early on, um, because I felt it was important to the industry to show that I was committed to the industry and I wanted to take on uh, the designations of the industry to show what I was doing. But, you know, I... In California, I mean, started in San Diego Mortgage Bankers. We had a very strong group. And what I, one thing that I should point out that really until the year 2000s, you know, when we met as an organization, we met as both residential and commercial people. Yeah. You know, it was both groups. Yes, it was started by by a group of commercial people, but very early on, they brought the residential guys in, guys and gals in. And said, you know, it's important that we band together to uh, 
to support the industry, to lead the industry, um, you know, make sure we did the things that caused us to be um, ethical and all of those kinds of things so we didn't have to be regulated. And I think all these many years later, we're, we're still in that kind of self, taking care of ourselves and making sure that we're doing the right things and all of our members are doing the right things. Right. And that was a big part of both CMBA and MBA. Um, and so, you know, I just got involved. I got on a committee. Um, it was, I got on the commercial committee, I got on the educational committee, um, did that for a couple of years, rose to committee chair, um, and then got uh, asked to be on the board. And I was on the board for a number of years and then ultimately became the uh, chair of, of uh, CMBA. Um, and it was about that time that a number of people started to say, hey, you, you need to get involved in the national organization as well. And I said, you know, I can do both, you know. And so I was involved there again, committee level, uh, board level. Um, and I had a, I, I had a very defining moment other, other than, you know, being involved in the industry, being involved in the commercial side, uh, being the chair of Combog as well as the chair of CMPA. Um, in, in 2000, I, um, got involved in a project where MBA, uh, gave basically a committee that I was going to put together a million dollars to invest in uh, bringing the awareness of commercial real estate, commercial mortgage banking to the industry. And we went out and did um, grants to five universities ultimately. Hmm. All of them ended up creating um, either departments or curriculum for commercial real estate. Um, University of San Diego down here in San Diego was one. Mark Reedy, former you know, um, uh, president of MBA, uh, now on staff at, at the University of San Diego, uh, was one of the five universities. And but for me, that was a defining moment because one of the things that told me that that education was going to be a key part of people coming into our industry and people right. succeeding in our industry as well as advancing in our industry. And I, I really got heavily involved in the whole educational aspect of it from then on. And, you know, I think, you know, having the, the industry take responsibility for providing that in, in, uh, education and making sure that it is available um, is really key. Um, kind of leads me to my next question, which, um, you know, the real estate finance industry is always looking to increase diversity. Um, so how is, you know, PSRS uh, even attracting younger mortgage professionals into uh, into commercial mortgage banking? Well, I'll, I'll digress just for a moment. In, in 1998, I and a couple of other individuals, Scott Tanner, who, who you knew well, mm -hmm. um, we, we bought the company from, from Dan. And at that point in time, we decided that uh, we were a company of producers, 75% um, of which were over 50 years old, white male, yeah. period. Yeah. And uh, we knew that that was not a sustainable model. So it just was not going to work. We had to, we had to start bringing young people in. Uh, and we really started in 1998 to, to, to do that, to accomplish that. And um, 
you know, um, over the next 10 years, I think we work very hard at bringing a lot of young people into the industry, both um, both men and women. Unfortunately, probably more men than women, um, because we just we we didn't find enough women available to to come into this. Um, fast forward to today, I think that whole thing has changed. I think there are a lot of women today that are very qualified. Uh, graduated with finance degrees or degrees in real estate and and are are very interested and excited to get into our industry. Um, so fast forward today, we're probably 75% uh, of our company today is under 40. Uh, so big turnaround. Big turnaround. Um, we're now, yeah, we're now a multi-generational company. We're, we're kind of on the third generation as as I come to the end of my career. Um, and by the way, next year is my next year, my last year. Uh, I will have been in the industry for 50 years. And as you said, wow. in one company and one job, and, and I never had to go for an interview. I just, you know, <laughs> I never had to create a resume. It, it's always interesting when I'm teaching classes and they say, well, you know, what should I do when I go for an interview? Or what should I have in my resume? I said, you know, I never had to create one. And they're just <laughs> You're like, like ask really? somebody who's done it. <laughs> So, uh, but if you get started with one company, then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of your career, right? So, there you go. Um, um, so today we have a, a couple women producers in the commercial side. We have probably 25% of our company is, is are women. Uh, we have uh, about 10 to 15% are Hispanic. Uh, we would like to increase those numbers. We, we are looking for more people. Uh, we've been hiring. Uh, Clearly, young people, young qualified people, uh, who want to get into our industry, um, and uh, I, I think that's really important. And I think it's a, I think it's a great time for uh, both women and uh, minorities to come into our industry because so many companies are focused on that, and they're not just focused on getting them into, you know, um, analyst positions or or servicing positions, they're really interested in getting them into uh, producer positions, uh, officer yeah. positions, people who can have a say in what's going on. Um, because, you know, the ownership of real estate has changed. There, you know, a lot of real estate today, especially in Southern California, is owned by women um, and, and, and various uh, uh, people, and I, I hate to say the word minority, but um, because, you know, um, the Hispanic community is a huge part of Southern California. Uh, right. And um, and so those are our borrowers. That, that's our borrower makeup. And they're going to want to do business with people they're comfortable with. And yeah. and um, my my daughter, who has been working with me for Jennifer and working with me for eight years, is now in a production role, and she's finding so many people who, especially women, who want to do business with her uh, because they feel like they can understand, she can understand them. And right. um, and it's always been a great part of our business to make sure that we, we can understand our borrowers' needs and wants and deliver on those. And so, you know, we have a lot of different borrowers, so we need to have a lot of different people. Right. Uh, and it's great that, you know, the company is continues to kind of, you know, develop as far as, you know, diversity within uh, the age and, and uh, all the participants that you have at PSRS. 
Um, so talk about, you know, this market in 2022 is a little bit of a tough market. Uh, what uh, what asset classes do you see that are faring perhaps better than others this year? Well, I mean, to start with, just to look at the market, obviously the market's been heavily impacted with um, um, rate increases. Um, you know, we've seen commercial mortgage rates go from the high twos to the low threes late last year to over 5% today. Yeah. Um, and um, you know it's it's and borrowers are talking to us and saying, hey, can you get me something at four and three quarters or you know four and five eight or you know four and seven eighths and or five percent and you know it wasn't five months ago we were talking about two ninety three ten you know whatever so um, huge change um, we you know as a company we've had a good first six months uh, I think we've closed over a billion dollars worth of mortgages. Uh, or billion dollars worth of of, uh, of mortgages. Yes, sorry. And um, so it's been a very good first half. I I think our second half will be a little slower. Um, and I'm very concerned about what's going to happen next year because mm -hmm. I think it's going to slow down even more. As far as property types, um, you know, the verdict's not yet in on office. You know, what is office going to look like in the future? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we keep you know, we went from everybody was in, you know, majority was working in office, very few remote, remote people. COVID hits, we all go home. We all figure out how to, to work at home. Um, we'd start to come back and a lot of companies say, well, gee, you know, we're going to let you, you know, work remote if you want to, or maybe we're going to go hybrid or so on and so forth. We want you in two or three days a week and you can work two or three days from home and so on and so forth. And, and, and that's, I think that's still evolving. I hear a number of companies who are, who are talking, you know, most recently saying that, you know, we don't know if the hybrid model works for us, maybe for some of the functions of our company. Um, but I got to tell you, the people, the segment of the industry who most wants to come back to the office are the young people. And they want to be in the office because they understand that that's how they're going to learn the business. Oh, they're going to learn the true. business by word of mouth. You know, we we uh, we moved in some uh, new space in 2018, and we we reconfigured it all so that you know the production people were kind of in a horseshoe, and all the analyst people were in the middle. And most of the day, we find ourselves in the bullpen, kind of talking about deals and sharing information and asking what lenders we should talk to on this deal or that deal and and how do we get this done and and it's right in the middle of where all of our analysts slash future producers are and i gotta tell you they're in there every day they're listening to what's going on they're they're coming in and asking questions um, quite often i'll be on the phone talking to a lender or borrower negotiating a deal so and so forth and as soon as i hang up one of the one of the junior producers or analysts is in my office saying hey can I ask you what you were talking about? So, it, it, yeah, it, something it, that does that is, well to a virtual environment, right? You know, that in person. Oh, yeah. and, and the virtual environment, you, you lose all of that. You yeah. lose all of that. And um, so it's, it, you know, the verdict's not in yet. Um, but I, I got to tell you, the, the uh, and I talked to a lot of people um, whose sons and daughters are turning into the business or getting into other aspects of business and so on and so forth. 
And one of the most frustrating things they do is they're looking really forward to going to work and they get to work and nobody's there. Yeah. Or the people they report to are remote that day or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's important for the succession of the industry for us to be involved and be there, pass that along in way pass it along bringing up you but i think the best way of doing that is going to be you know being in the office and so on and so forth and you know quite frankly you know i just think we're more productive um again our our our, our servicing staff and we service you know six and a half million um they're on kind of a hybrid schedule they they work from home uh two days a week two to three days a week and they're in the office two to three days a week and every Wednesday everybody's in and so on and so forth and uh, it's a little harder to work with and it's a little harder sometimes to get answers but but it seems to be working okay uh obviously uh, we've hired you know one of the things that COVID has taught us is that um, uh, people are more elastic and they move from company to company and uh, I think we've hired more people in the last year than we hired the previous 10 years wow Something. And, and in talking to a lot of people in the industry, they've gone through the same thing. And people, you know, people have gone to other companies or, you know, decided they want to work 100% remote or, you know, want to move to another part of the country because, you know, because of family, because of whatever. COVID has shown them that that's maybe a more important part of their life. So, uh, so there are a lot of people have made a lot of changes during during that period of time. And as I say, we're still working through that. So. That's a long-winded way of saying, you know, we haven't found the answer for office yet. Yeah. Um, although, you know, life science is growing like crazy down in San Diego, uh, being the third largest market in the country behind Boston and the Bay Area. Um, regular office seems to be fairly well occupied. We're not building anything new, but but fairly well occupied. So, you know, lenders are concerned about that. Um, you know, multi-tenant office space I think is faring better than large plate office space mm -hmm. where you know they're releasing whole floors at a time and so on and so forth um so you know that's a product type that's kind of you know we're not quite there um obviously retail has come back a lot uh actually every center that i think we had problems with or challenges with in uh, 2000 through 2001 today the retail are back uh restaurants are coming back to life um all of them are holding on to that sidewalk space nobody yeah. wants to let go of that of the extra tables and so on and so forth and quite frankly for san diego it's great yeah there's nothing better than being able to eat outdoors and san diego is you know it works very well year-round to be able to do that um obviously the the hottest sectors are multifamily and industrial um I think that uh, multifamily, you know, continues to grow. Uh, there continues to be a lot of new projects being built. Um, and um, industrial, you know, I'm concerned that maybe we've hit that saturation point. Maybe we haven't. I'm not quite, you know, what time will tell. I read an article not too long ago, like maybe Monday, that uh, Amazon was not taking on any new space. They were not uh, expanding their warehouses. Uh, other distributors uh, were, were looking at the same thing. So maybe they 
saturated space. So, you know, time will tell on that, but, you know, clearly a lot of industrial has been developed um, over the last few years and all of it is occupied. The, the occupancy levels are very strong and all that. Uh, the other sector that, you know, amazing to me has been super strong is self-storage. Mm -hmm. Self-storage continues to be very strong. Yeah. Uh, new projects getting built all the time and they seem to fill up very quickly. Um, the other, uh, obviously I talked about life science. Life science is getting built in every sector. We're, we're seeing in a number of areas around San Diego where buildings are being torn down to build a new life science building. Um, and quite frankly, you know, San Diego is going through a transition that I think Southern California probably is as well, but San Diego, I obviously I'm closer to. San Diego has fairly limited boundaries with the ocean, the mountains, and Pendleton in Mexico. Uh, we don't have a lot of excess land anymore. I mean, basically it's all been built out. Yeah. Yeah. So all the new development is redevelopment. So it's tearing down to put up new apartments or tearing down to put up life science or tearing down to maybe put a new retail use in or, or so on and so forth. And with that, there's come a whole new generation of developers and they're men and women and they're young and they're fresh out of college or they've been working with another development company for 10 years and they're charting out on their own. And it really is a time similar to when I started in the business in the, in the early to late eighties, when all these new developers started developing and I, they were all my clients and they've been my clients for all these years. And now that's changing over. Now a lot of those people are retiring, they're selling off their portfolios, they're, sons and, or daughters are taking over their, their development companies or investment companies. So we're just seeing a lot of new young entrepreneurs coming into San Diego to develop real estate, and, which is exciting and bodes well for our young producers because they all speak the same language. Yeah, yeah, make that connection. Nice to have the, the fresh ideas and the fresh outlook on things too as well. You know, you know, you're talking about new and kind of the impacts of COVID. And one of the things that, you know, I've, as you know, I've been doing this job for a good long while now, and I have just seen a real uptick in technology solutions for the commercial real estate finance side of the industry. You know, residential, because they're consumer facing, they have a lot more technology, but it just seems there just seems like a, a lot more technology that's available on the commercial side. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what is how is the adoption of technology working in the commercial industry? Well, I, I mean, clearly, you know, different aspects of technology we adopted a long time ago and we'll continue to adopt that. And we'll uh, especially in the servicing area, servicing software, being able to monitor loans, being able. I mean, we couldn't do that without. Uh, without the the the, the right. software and, te and 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 technology that we have today, a lot of that is up in the clouds, or can interface directly with our uh, with their documents on our on our servers and so on and so forth. And that's all changed. It's far cry from when I started in the business, when our our servicing technology was a three by five card with the borrower's name on the top and 360 blanks on it, so we could check if their payments were made. So, you know, it, the technology has changed just a little bit since that time. Um, you know, I think as it relates to data, uh, uh, making data available, you know, Postar, for instance, we really couldn't do our job without 
Coastar and, and some of the other uh, products that are out there today. Um, you know, we can we can look up uh, you know borrower information. We can look up um, um, uh, recorded information. Um, we can uh, track properties. We can see you know what what occupancies uh, in in different markets across the country. Um, at my screen, I can look at Boston or New York or Dallas or Des Moines and tell you what the occupancy for apartments or retail or industrial are. Um, technology has allowed us to maybe go outside of our footprint where forever we were just really in our footprint. We were experts in our market and 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 we kind of stayed in that arena. Uh, now we're branching out, uh, you know, still probably 65 to 70% of the business we do is in Southern California, um, you know, including, you know, Phoenix and Las Vegas, um, but 30 to 35% is across the country. And we have the ability to do business in those, uh, those areas. Um, you know, there have been a lot of technology companies and a technology company recently acquired George Smith Financial. Uh, trying to look at, you know, how they can, you know, leverage off of each other to do whatever that they do. Um, I, you know, and I could be wrong, but I have not seen technology being able to take the place of someone to go out and kick the tires and look at the real estate and meet face to face with the borrower and say, this is a really good deal. Right. And, you know, when I, 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 I think back to Dan Mulvihill back in the, you know, this was back in the 70s and 80s. And and uh, basically he'd go sit down with this borrower. They talk about a deal and he says, this is what I'll deliver. They shook hands and that's that was the contract. You know, the same the, the same with our life companies. It was, you know, it was it was they had faith in what we did. We had credibility with them. Um they knew that we would not take advantage of them. We always looked as uh, at the money we we're lending for our investors as our own money, uh, and tried to treat it that way. And I think that's still today. I, th I think um, the mortgage, the individual, brings a lot of credibility to this industry. And I've seen no technology that takes that takes the place of that. Yeah, technology more more assisting in the in the development of the deal right. structure, but there's still that you know that's still a relationship business, right? Right. You know, all of our our packages today, our loan packages, they're all delivered electronically. Yeah. We used to. Yeah. We, well, I I kid I kid my my younger producers on the first deal I did in 1973, where it was a 7-Eleven uh, anchored center for. $250,000. It was a huge loan. And um, I drove up to Riverside, looked at the real estate, two pictures, because that's all I could send was two pictures, and then filled out this two-page form, and I airmailed it to Hartford. To Connecticut Mutual. Uh, took took ten to, or four days to get there. Um, they looked at it, called me up on the phone, said, looks great. Go ahead and issue a commitment. I issued the commitment, got it signed, airmailed that back to the uh, to the uh, investor. Um, they sent. I got the loan draft documents drafted, sent them back for their signature, took them to the borrower for their signature, and after waiting 
literally 10 to 12 days, we closed the loan in less than 30 days. Now, today like we can't close the loan in under 90 days. So where has technology gotten this? No, just, just kidding. Obviously, a lot of, you know, original loan documents were a page and a half for the deed of trust and a half page for the note. And today the note is 10 pages and the deed of trust is 60 pages. So um, anyway, uh, the world has changed and we've yeah. changed with it. And, and we need to protect our investors and all of those things come into play and all the reports we do and appraisals, environmental engineering, all of those things to protect our investors. So the world's changed and we've gone along with it. But um, um, anyway, it's, that was the process then and here we are today. It's fun to hear those, you know, that's the way it used to work and it all, you know, it's certainly, certainly a much different world today, but it's good for everybody to hear about how it used to be done as well. Um, there you we go. You know, talked earlier about um, your leadership roles, both at the National MBA and at the California MBA. Um, you talk with our listeners a little bit about the importance of, of supporting the national and state um, mortgage bankers associations. Well, I think now more than ever, government is in our lives. I mean, you know, Susan, you fight that battle up on, on the hill in Sacramento. Um, MBA fights that battle on the Hill uh, in DC, and um, we have to get involved. You have to get involved because it's not the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s. They're now, you know, making decisions that infect that affect our business. It's you know yeah. how taxes are going to get handled, how 1031 transactions are going to get handled, how residential mortgage bankers are going to be uh, dictated to and and uh, Fannie and Freddie and and all of that. And, you know, if it's not if, if, if it isn't for, um, you know, both CNBA and MBA watching over what's trying to be done to us and making sure that uh, that we're aware of it and can get involved in the solution, you know, we're all going to be out of a job. So, I mean, you know, you, you really have to focus on that. And CMBA and MBA are no more than its members. It's not right. just staff. Staff doesn't make this happen. It's really the individuals who get involved, uh, uh, you know, go to the Hill on Advocacy Day and, and talking with, uh, you know, our legislators and our congressmen, um, getting a one-to-one -one relationship with them. Uh, getting involved in CAMPAC and MORPAC, uh, getting involved in MA, Mortgage Action Alliance, right. um, so that we can get the word out. It's, it's, if, if you're not, if you don't, if you don't get involved, you won't have an industry to be involved in. That's what I firmly believe. And uh, we have, uh, I mean, I pushed that down to our people, Mike Tanner, uh, took over as president of PSRS about a year and a half ago. Mike is on the board at, at MBA uh, and, and really got involved. We've got younger people who are pushing to get involved. Uh, David Smiley from our office is on the board at you know CMBA. So it's it's always been important that we get involved and we've always carried that torch forward. Um, and you know, if you don't do it, and you're out of a job, you have no one to blame but yourself. That's true. People need to be reminded that, you know, they need to support these associations that support their, uh, their the industry in which they've made their careers. So um, right. 
thank you for that. I appreciate that. And, you know, Dan, just uh, all the years I've known you, thank you so much for all of your contributions to help make the California MBA as successful as we are. You are a uh, example of a true leader in the industry. I wish I had more of you. There you go. <laughs> and thank you all for joining us on uh, today's uh, um, episode of Connect. If you'd like to access any of our past episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on um, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time on Connect.